0: Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, I don't think I can remember a year when conditions have been so good for growing. With some rain and plenty of warmth, plants have grown almost as you watch and I'm wondering if I'm going to need a machete to get to the bottom of my garden. So this week we're talking gardens and in particular how to garden with nature rather than against it. Later, Steve Shelley from Earthworks explains how they tackle pests like slugs, sticking to organic principles. But first, let's hear about some recent research showing that artificial fertilizer can actually impair a plant's ability to absorb nutrients. Tessa Reed is a PhD student in Sustainable Agricultural Science at Rothamsted Research, working in collaboration with Cranfield University as part of the Environment and Agri-Food PhD programme funded by the Laws Agricultural Trust, and her particular area of interest is soil bacteria. I started by asking Tessa why some soil bacteria are so important for plants like wheat.
1: Soil health is dependent on soil microbes, such as bacteria. Just like we need a diverse gut microbiome to keep us healthy, the soil needs diverse communities of microbes to keep it healthy and maintain its function. Um, And these microbes provide a broad range of services for plants in terms of nutrient acquisition, disease suppression, and resistance to abiotic stresses such as drought.
0: Right, okay. So they're basically helping plants with help plants with food and health, and, and as you say, coping with really tough things that climate change is throwing at them, things like drought. So that's pretty important, isn't it? And do these bacteria live kind of randomly in the soil, or do they form um, a symbiotic relationship? So that's sort of like a partnership, isn't it, um, with the plants, like, like some fungi do. And people might have heard of things like mycorrhizal fungi that they use beneficially in their gardens. So, so, so how do these bacteria work?
1: Uh, Yeah uh, yes absolutely so in a natural environment plants have evolved to form mutually beneficial relationships with soil bacteria Um, and these bacteria live in the soil closely associated with the plant roots the portion that is referred to as the rhizosphere and they can be termed plant growth promoting rhizobacteria or PGPRs. Probably one of the best-known examples of this is the root nodule forming soil bacteria rhizobium that fix nitrogen. So they colonize plant cells within root nodules where they convert atmospheric nitrogen to ammonia, um, which can be readily used by the plant. Um, And that's just one example. Uh, PGPRs can benefit plants in many other ways. Uh, They are particularly well known for their acquisition of phosphorus, but they've also been demonstrated to help in the uptake of nitrates and they also benefit in the acquisition of water Um, and it's possible they're also helping in the acquisition of potassium as well so they actually provide quite a broad service to the plant in the acquisition of nutrients and in return the microbes gain sugars and other small molecules from the plant so it's a fine-tuned relationship that was established millions of years ago when the first land plants colonized earth
0: Wow. So, so this is something that has been going on for absolutely, well, it's more than millennia, isn't it? This has kind of been going over just whilst the plants have evolved, these bacteria have been there growing with them. So you've looked at the effect of fertiliser on these really important soil bacteria. What kind of fertiliser are you talking about?
1: Uh, so we're talking about chemical fertiliser. Um, and we used Osmocote MPK granules, which stand for nitrogen phosphorus and potassium um and this is a popular commercial brand of fertilizer okay yeah so that's
0: just something that you could get down the garden center probably find that i I don't know if you looked in lots of greenhouses there'd be there'd be some there you say it's just just a standard balanced fertilizer isn't it okay and so what effect did it have on these really important soil bacteria when when you added the um the fertilizer
1: Uh, So we showed that in the commercial variety Cadenza wheat, um, the application of this widely used chemical MPK fertilizer significantly reduced the abundance of rhizobacteria that performed plant growth promoting functions. So actually what um, happens is the plant recognizes that fertilizer has been added The plant sees that there's lots of nitrogen and phosphorus around, and so it chooses not to engage with these beneficial symbionts. And the reason for that is simply the fact that when the plant goes to the bacteria for the acquisition of nutrients, it pays a price for those nutrients. So it has to exchange root exudates, carbon from photosynthesis, sugars and other small molecules for these nutrient services from the bacteria to tightly control the symbiotic relationship.
0: OK, so so um, so it's kind of easier for the plant to get the nutrients um, directly from the fertiliser rather than, as you say, having to, to give something in exchange for getting the nutrients from the bacteria. I mean, it does sound in some ways that perhaps we seem to be losing an opportunity to work with nature rather than against it here. How do you think what you have learnt could perhaps help us to farm a bit more sustainably?
1: Yeah, so I mean, we already know a lot about the detrimental impacts chemical fertilizer has. They're our primary source for pollution in agriculture, driving eutrophication and biodiversity loss. We know a lot about nitrogen in that context, but phosphorus inputs are also a major driver of eutrophication. And then, of course, the major cause of greenhouse gas emissions in agriculture. And soil health is crucial for farm profitability as well as being crucial to some of the environmental. Ambitions that we have. So, the more we understand about how life in the soil functions, the more we can harness these benefits and make better decisions about sustainable agricultural practices. So, step one for me in reducing agricultural reliance on inorganic fertilizers is just better use and better capture of what is already in the soil. What I would like to see is something where we develop complex plant hmm. growth promoted rhizobacteria networks. If we develop these complex networks in the soil, even when, or especially at the time when we fertilize. So, we have a much more efficient mechanism for the capture of nutrients and theoretically would lose less nutrients out into the environment. So, additionally, re- research like this aids the development of tailor made microbial inoculants, which is a new community of microbes that would be an eco friendly solution to alleviate potential stresses. So this is basically adding in some good bacteria, just like we would take a probiotic yogurt for our our gut health.
0: So it sounds like there's potentially some some good things sort of in the pipeline in the future there. And is there anything, do you think, that home gardeners can take from this?
1: Yes, absolutely. That soil health is crucial for healthy gardens and healthy gardening and just stop buying and using chemical fertilizer. In fact, you can buy microbial bioinoculants as fertilizer that you can use in your garden that can be tailor-made for the type of crop you're using. I was growing some roses this summer and brought microbial inoculants for, for rose growth and they worked really well.
0: Brilliant. And they will hopefully enable the plant to, to get the food that it needs without all the downsides that you've explained that we get from synthetic fertilisers. So healthy plants and hopefully healthier planets as well.
1: Yeah, it's feed, feed the soil in order to feed the plants. That's, that's the motto.
0: That sounds like good advice. Tessa. thank you for taking the time to explain that to us. I was talking there to Tessa Reed from Rothamsted Research and you can find out more about the work that Rothamsted are doing to help farmers make our food more sustainable at Rothamsted.ac.uk. Now someone who agrees that healthy soil is the start of healthy plants is Steve Shelley from Earthworks. Plants might be growing fast at the minute but in some instances slugs are growing faster. How to deal with pests in a nature-friendly way is a perpetual problem, so I was keen to find out what they do at Earthworks. I started by asking Steve, with Earthworks being managed on organic guidelines, what is their general approach to garden pests?
2: We really try to take the approach that prevention is better than cure overall, and that means really four things, I think, if you kind of take a step-by-step process of looking at it. First is to have a healthy soil. Second is crop rotation, although that doesn't always apply to all crops in all places. The third would be a a really good kind of natural habitat where nature can do its work properly around and amongst the plants that you're, you're cultivating. So kind of much more holistic solutions, which take a bit of time to implement sometimes. And and then, of course, there are what might be deemed to be cures, fixes, remedies, more shorter term, immediate things that people can try that, that we try here.
0: Yeah, but, but that's very much the last
2: resort. You believe that prevention is better than cure. That's right. So uh, if we took the example of, say, aphids and blackfly, then there's a whole whole kind of holistic way in which we can attempt to deal with those in some way. Once we've got a healthy soil structure and and perhaps we're, you know, making sure our legumes, if we're talking about aphids on broad beans, for example, beans are in in different beds at different in different seasons, um, then really the natural ecosystem, I think, can become quite important. Uh, Certainly. On three counts, I think we're talking about providing deterrents to pests, things that confuse or disguise uh, plants that pests are interested in. And the third one would be predators. And so I think it's it's trying to get a balance of all those things. And if we took the example of aphids or blackfly on broad beans, then we might be trying to encourage predators such as hoverfly, lacewings, ladybirds and our site at Earthworks is quite a blend of cultivated areas and, and wild habitat. So we have a lot of cow parsley, we have a lot of yarrow uh, growing quite wild around the site. It's always possible to encourage these things into gardens, of course, if you if you think about how to manage them. But they are great habitat once they're in flower and seed for hoverfly and lacewings. Similarly with, with the umbellifers, you know, you could companion plant. Carrot, coriander, fennel, things that flower in the same way and go to seed. They encourage similar predators, encourage ladybirds, encourage the apex predators, the insect world, the the earwigs and the parasitic bugs, uh, wasps. So um, they will all have a good go at your aphids for you. And I think that's that's a good example, really, of, of how to tackle those.
0: Indeed. Well, pretty much everybody who grows broad beans seems to be troubled by aphids, don't they? So there's some, some, some good tips there. So how about a lot of gardeners, nemesis, the slugs? There seem to have been so many of them around this year. So many people say, oh my goodness, my garden is absolutely ridden with these. They're eating everything. Uh, do you have problems with slugs at Earthworks? And if you do, what do you do about them?
2: Yes, we do. Uh, We do. And as we record this, we're sitting in a particularly dry little patch, aren't we? But uh, we've had a very, very wet part of the early summer and and slugs have been absolutely terrible here. First thing to say is, of course, I don't think anyone's immune from this and we can never eradicate all these pests completely. So what do we do? Well, again, I think it's a twofold approach. There there is the wildlife habitat thing. And I would say if we're looking at predators, for example, then we need to be thinking of amphibians, frogs, toads we need to be thinking of hedgehogs, birds. So we need a good environment for that and having a garden pond however big or small in your own garden or near your allotment I would say has got to be pretty much up there at the top of the list for everyone. Of course we do use and we do try and experiment with a whole range of more immediate remedies and they range from eggshells to sharp sand to bran to oats to putting down coffee grounds and i have to say you know no no one is is sort of squeaky clean on this we we do occasionally use produce from from good garden centers such as impregnated wool pellets which are organic which we've been experimenting a little bit with this year and i think all is a question of how to blend those various things in
0: have you found that any of those have been effective for you? Is any of any of those that you can recommend as better than the rest?
2: I think the, the things that stand the test of time uh, are those which are quite sharp and really deter the slugs from walking across and which stay uh, during rain. So eggshells are quite effective, actually. <laughs> I appreciate we use very little here I and mean, we can't bring many eggshells <laughs> egg <laughs> onto the site. But on a small scale in people's gardens, It may sound laborious, but if you've got time to clean your eggshells and take them out and scatter them, also looks very pretty, I have to say. But they stand up to rain. Uh, They don't get washed away particularly easily. And sharp sand as well, it does get a a little wet. And uh, so when it's wet, slugs can cross it. But as soon as it dries out again, it's going to be uh, quite unattractive and unappealing to them. And those bags of sharp sand from a builder's merchant are probably a pound or two.
0: Indeed, well, those sound like some some tips worth trying there. And I've been using beer traps and had a bit of success with those. And I would say that the hedgehogs seem to quite like that as well. So (laughs) again, perhaps something to try there. Okay. So another place where we tend to get quite a build-up of pest and diseases and they're often quite hard to shift and that's inside greenhouses and polytunnels. Now I know you've got polytunnels down at Earthworks. What do you find are the main pests in there and how do you keep them at bay?
2: Well we are aware of tomato whitefly we grow a lot of tomatoes in our polytunnel here. Yeah, it's a combination of things. So we do try and use fly screen and netting at doorways and entrances. But I would say if we're looking at the companion planting and more kind of holistic solution, then pretty much up there at the top of the list has got to be the plants with flowers that are sufficiently strong scented that they deter such insects, such as marigolds, calendula, as well so we do have marigolds along in rows at the front of our tomato beds
0: okay and they're quite a pretty addition to your greenhouse or polytunnel as well aren't they
2: absolutely yes they certainly
0: are good benefits all around there brilliant well I, I hope that your crops are great this year and that all of your pest deterrents all work really well and <laughs> uh, look forward to talking to you again soon Stephen thank you very much for telling us about that thanks Amanda I was talking there to Steve Shelley of Earthworks and the good news is that the veg growing is going so well that Earthworks are able to have veg on sale outside their Hicksbury Lane site. There's a self-service stall offering delicious organic produce. It's open 9 till 3 and you can make your donations in return for your veg via the Earthworks website. Now, if you've not signed up yet to Count Us In, the website that turns combating climate change into a team sport, special Olympic reference there, then head to the countersin.org website and sign up and choose a carbon-cutting step that you think you can make. And be sure to sign up for the St Albans team so we can all feel supported locally in this global task. I'll be back at the same time next week. So until then, thanks for listening.